Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And our special guest today is Cheryl Martinez-Gloria, who runs the Immigration Ministry for Catholic Charities. And you're actually the director of that program, correct? Yes, I am, Deacon. Wow, it's nice to get the big shots. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's such an important ministry. There's been so much in the news. It gets so politicized that I thought it'd be great to have an interview to talk about what's going on with immigration and kind of cut through all the nonsense that gets put out through the uh, certain media outlets and, uh, and certain political parties, actually all political parties, uh, and just talk about what's going on, what do we do, and that kind of thing. But, you know, just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how long you've specialized in the immigration ministry? I've been an attorney for 31 years. My specialty is immigration law, and I've served as the immigration attorney with Catholic Charities of Denver for the past 21 years. And so you've specialized in the immigration law. You've seen a lot over that period of time, I guess. Uh, you know, from you've been through several administrations, several changes in the law uh, until we are today. I mean, how have things progressed? Has, has immigration law gotten easier or more difficult for people trying to come to this country? Um, most specifically, since the um, Trump administration began, um, I believe that in general we can state that immigration um, has become more difficult. Uh, there have been a number of changes that have been through executive order from the administrative, the executive branch, as well as some decisions that have come down from the Attorney General of the United States, Mr. Sessions. So it's important that there's a voice out there that kind of lets people know what the law is, what's going on, what are their rights, because we're always going to follow the law. Catholic Charities isn't going to you know, create their own law. Uh, but to have a voice where people can get an honest assessment of what's going on is important because, you know, I've heard things like there's notaries out there and different things, different people who like to take people's money and then actually create havoc with their case. Yes, as a matter of fact, um, as a in in responding to that call for the need for um, appropriate services in immigration. Um, the Archdiocese of Denver Catholic Charities um, met that call in 1974 when our program was established. We are accredited by the Board of Immigration Appeals. We offer advice, assistance, and representation to the indigent and low income of Colorado, those with valid legal claims to status under our uh, immigration law laws. Our main office is located in Denver. We do have satellite offices in Glenwood Springs, Frisco, Greeley, and Fort Morgan. And in general, our practice covers family visa processing, deportation defense, citizenship, and community education. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's, what's the phone number, the website, that kind of thing? Because that would probably make it easier. That's a good point. Regardless of where they live in Colorado, it would be best for them to make the call to our office in Denver at 303-742-4971 for us to provide them with some basic information regarding the areas that um, the areas of law in which we can provide service, but also 
to ensure um, after a very brief pre-screening over the phone that our resources and our experience would meet with their legal need and if not to provide them with um, a reliable referral for services. And that's important to know, right? We're not going to tell people, oh, we can help you when that's not something we specialize in. I mean, I remember I took a call yesterday from an individual who was looking for somebody to help him with asylum. And that's not something that we specialize in. So he was given referrals uh, to get the appropriate legal help he needed. So we're not going to run people around the rosy just so they can, you know, figure out by the time uh, we work with them that we're not of any help. We tell them right up front how we can help them. What does that look like? And so, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, the difficulties with the new administration and uh, the changes. But what are some of those? I remember, you know, the prior administration, there was something called DACA. Uh, Where does that stand? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, exactly. For example, um, in the um, initial months of the Trump administration, the president had um, issued, had decided that he wanted to put an end to the DACA program that had been established by administrative executive order under the Obama administration. Um, However, uh, very soon thereafter, a number of uh, lawsuits were filed in federal court. Since we're dealing with immigration law, it falls within the spectrum of federal law in in the United States. And as a result, um, there is one particular, and they joined thereafter by other federal courts, that had made the decision that to terminate that program in the manner that it was terminated um, violated the law. And therefore, um, there was an injunction that was ordered of that order in part. And so up until this moment, um, DACA recipients, those who have been granted uh, DACA benefits in the past, are still allowed to renew their DACA status. However, until further decisions are made in the area, new DACA applicants are not allowed to um, submit their application. Well, and I'm not smart enough to remember what DACA actually stands for. So maybe if you could tell us what that is and what was that program meant to do. It's um, the acronym stand for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And basically it was a policy decision to um, provide some relief and benefit specifically to children from any country who had entered the United States before the age of 15 and had been able to prove um, a couple of things regarding their continuous presence within a certain period of time um, before the program was initiated. As well, they had to prove that um, they uh, did not have um, egregious immigration violations or criminal law violations. And for those initial um, applicants, that they either had obtained a high school diploma or were in the process of obtaining a high school diploma. Okay, and so I think, you know, they were trying to help children who were here to be able to stay here who had kind of established themselves. Um, I think it's important to talk about, you know, one of the things I think we all agree with is we need immigration law. Now, what it should be, I think each side is a bit extreme. And, you know, where in the middle does that fall? Unfortunately, sometimes it feels like a political football and neither side really wants to solve it because they like using it as their uh, their hammer when they talk to their base. Does that 
ring true with what you've seen and hear, heard, Cheryl? Yes. Um, in particular, historically, the development of immigration law in our country has been more highly politicized than any other area of law. And as a result, there are numerous um, ebbs and flows and pushes and pulls. Um, when it comes to immigration policy, um, as the Catholic Church has stated, um, it, is, it requires a just and humane policy um, that takes into and ensures the dignity and respect of every human being, but as well um, takes a realistic view of the global community and the right for every human being to have the opportunity to survive and to progress in their life. And if in their own native country that is not possible, either by war, famine, or persecution, to look to those wealthier countries, such as the United States, to provide um, that, that safety, um, the basic human needs, and also the ability to progress um, and prosper in their life. Um, with regard to a number of the uh, policy uh, changes and executive orders that have come down recently, those many of those unfortunately um, exist in conflict with those basic principles. Um, for example, the area of enforcement. Um, even under the Obama administration, uh, there were enforcement priorities. And initially under the Trump administration, those were pretty much the same. Uh, enforcing priority enforcements of convicted felons, gang members, drug traffickers, and those with final orders of deportation. And I think everybody would pretty much agree that that makes perfect sense, correct? Yes. Um, there was not, uh, as, as I had stated, since this was something that wasn't even new as per the Obama administration, that seemed to fall within the same parameters of, um, you know, the need for um, control of our borders and ensuring public safety. However, it has then um, developed into something which is referred to as a zero tolerance policy. And that gave... Um, that laid the foundation for the most recent crisis uh, that was noted uh, throughout the United States uh, through the media. And it's referred to as the separation of families. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. I know that, you know, in the last couple months, that's been huge. Uh, maybe talk about what happened and kind of where are we today? I mean, has that improved? I mean, because... You know, when things first happen, everybody talks about it. And then the next thing you know, you don't hear much about it. So kind of what happened and where are we today? In general, um, it was kind of a perfect storm between the Trump administration's need to increase enforcement of unauthorized immigration, um, as well as a continuing flow, mostly, mostly of um, persons from Central America into the United States requesting political asylum due to what they call the Northern Triangle um, violence and other issues in those countries. Um, and as a result, what was happening is uh, the Trump administration had decided 
that um, in light of this zero tolerance policy for 100% enforcement at the border, at ports of entry, as we as we refer to them, that anyone who was attempting to enter without proper documentation would no longer just be temporarily detained and processed and released or being uh, availed of other alternatives to detention to allow them to return to uh, complete their immigration court proceedings, but that they would need to be detained. And many of them should also be handed over um, to for criminal prosecution of immigration violations. At the same time, Um, We do have legislation that was passed back in 2008 under trafficking victim protection legislation, which provided um, special benefits or special protections for minors um, entering the United States in this way, requiring um, uh, that they be released to qualified guardians or that they be housed in special detention facilities and also providing them with additional protections in immigration court proceedings. So when you have a mother or father entering the United States with one or more minor children, then uh, there was a, a conflict between these two needs, the legislation protections of 2008 for the minor and the zero tolerance policy of the Trump administration. As a result, then the administration decided to begin to separate the parent from the children. Um, And after that time, there was a tremendous um, national um, uproar that was caused. And it was, I believe, uh, in mid-June that the Trump administration uh, decided to um, backtrack from that policy, uh, ending the separation of policy approach, uh, now reverting back to family detention wherein the parent and the children are being detained together. However, the new issue is um, we're still waiting to see if they will return to alternatives to detention. Otherwise, without um, considering alternatives to detention, then we will then have uh, lengthy detention periods for both parent and children, um, which uh, is not considered by the church or uh, the majority of citizens of the United States to be a just and humane approach to this, uh, to this crisis. So we're not done yet. Uh, it was a big problem. It's been quieted down, but it's still kind of burbling under the surface, and we're going to have to address it. Just as a reminder, you're listening to Respect Life Radio. Our special guest today is Cheryl Martinez-Gloria, the Director of the Immigration Ministry for Catholic Charities. And, you know, we've been talking about uh, the separation of families, what happened, where are we, um, and kind of, it's not over yet. There's still things that are going to happen. They're lost. You know, they're going to have executive order. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Things are going to continually change. Uh, one of the things that I think you guys do is great, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about, is how you go out into the public and do presentations at parishes or wherever to talk about what's going on to give people kind of an update of what's what's happening. Um, thank you, Deacon. I think, in fact, in terms of the community education uh, efforts that our program makes, I think it is important for any every individual to understand that every case is different and how U.S. immigration law applies to each case, 
will be different. U.S. immigration law is a very complicated area, and one size does not fit all. Uh, generally, we recommend that the best approach for persons in need of immigration advice is to seek out a confidential, thorough, and individual consultation with a licensed attorney or an accredited nonprofit agency. And you happen to be two of those. Yes, okay, we have great. both licensed counsel and our non our accredited um, status. Uh, for general information, um, anyone, whether they need um, immigration advice for themselves or they just want to be kept up to date in a reliable, you know, uh, up, uh, reliable and um, thoroughly established way, uh, the websites of the, and it's AILA, it's the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and clinic, just as it, it's spelled, just as C L I N I C. Thank Catholic, you. I probably would have got that wrong. <laughs> Catholic Legal Immigration Network are well established and highly credible sources of information for individuals. Uh, we also welcome the public to visit our website at ccdenver.org, where we have information on how to access our services. And I and, will say, because not to cut you off, but I will anyway. <laughs> It's not always the easiest to find. I know they're working on the website. So if you go under Perishing Community Outreach, which not everybody would think to do, I, I probably wouldn't, then you'll find the immigration link. So just to let you know how to navigate that website, it's uh, be helpful. And with regard to the community presentations that you had mentioned, Deacon, at that website you will see under the tab marked events, um, or the web page, you will see under the tab marked events for immigra the immigration program, a list of our next presentations to the community on immigration law. So those are held throughout the um, Archdiocese of Denver. They are open to the public and they help individuals just to come and get a current and correct update of the law. And then we also um, allow for a short period of, of questions and answers um, if some of the information uh, just to try in as well. If that's not clear or if they have the public has or the attendees have heard sources of information that um, they want to make sure is it correct or is it just fear mongering. So if somebody was interested in scheduling a talk, um, you know, they're at a parish and it's Again, we don't only help Hispanics. We help people no matter where they are. I know we've mm -hmm. been working with people from Africa and different locations. But if they were interested in scheduling you or one of your staff to come out to do a presentation, would they just call the number? I mean, how would that work? Yes, absolutely. They could contact us, and then our outreach coordinator would then determine location and provide some available dates pursuant to what their um, uh what their needs uh, would be or what their preference is. And as well, if with reference to, as you stated, this is not a program that only um, provides assistance and services and information to one, um, one group of immigrants from one portion of our world. Um, it matters not where the person uh, comes from originally. It matters not what their situation or status is in the United States. It comes down to just having to determine based upon limited uh, resources, uh, but also um, in 
terms of what our the the experience in the areas that we excel in in practice of immigration law, how to make that best match between the need of the individual and our ability to provide the best legal assistance possible. And as I said before, and should that not be possible, and obviously it can't be in every single case, then we will do our best to ensure the best, um, a reliable referral for further assistance. And so again, that number is 303-742-4971. If you have a question of any sort, uh, whether you want to schedule a presentation, you want to find out, uh, you know, what kind of help. Now, you guys do walk-ins too, right? What does that look like? We have a consultation process, which is the initial necessary uh, contact between our staff and anyone seeking our services so that we can assess the facts of their case and determine if there is a remedy under immigration law and if our services, the, the uh, priorities of our office would be a good fit. Um, generally, for those persons who are in the Denver metro area, they can come to a consultation uh, without an appointment uh, that is held every Tuesdays and Thursdays on a walk-in basis. The individual needs to be at our offices either by 9 o'clock or by 1. They'll come and take a number. It's a, um, uh, a attended-as-you-arrive uh, kind of system. However, we would still ask that the individual, even if it's the uh, the surrounding metro denver area and most especially for those who live further from the denver area to first give us a call we would like to try and ensure that um even that that even the consultation process would be um the best place to start with our program because some cases depending upon resources and experience just uh, from the outset need to be referred to other counsel or other programs. And so if somebody is coming to the facility, it's 6240 Smith Road in Denver, kind of in between, um, what would you say, right, right, right near Monaco and Smith Road would probably be the best uh, uh, location for people to come. So again, 303-742-4971 for people to call. Uh, it is important to know that these services are available. Is there any fee? I mean, what does that look like to you, Cheryl? We uh, provide our services on a nominal fee basis. Uh, the, the, the fee depends upon the type of case and the complexity of the case. However, our accreditation imposes a limitation of nominal fee um, on the cases. Uh, at the same time, at any given time, we may have a funding source that might allow us to also offer our, our resources free of charge. So um, we do generally charge a fee. It's nominal for the consultations. It's a $35 fee. $35? Boy, that's a lot of trips to Mickey D's for me. <laughs> Um, with regard to uh, providing uh, expert legal uh, Im advice in immigration law, um, there is uh, no other uh, law office or organization that charges less for their consultations and full assessments. Consultations are in a situation where as long as you have a question, we take the time to answer those questions. So a consultation sometimes can last upwards of an hour and a half with our staff um, and beyond, depending upon other elements that need to be researched or looked into. So, And that is, I mean, that is great. I mean, if somebody were going to a private attorney 
what would they expect to spend? Just to give people kind of a frame of reference, a ballpark. Generally, um, if it is an experienced attorney, um, it can be anywhere from $100 very minimum to upwards of $250. Um, and uh, each office has a policy regarding whether they would apply that uh, payment to further work or whether they, in fact, would then um, require payment per hour um, thereafter. Yeah, so $35 is, is more than reasonable, and we do have to you know, fund the ministry as best we can. And I think uh, you mentioned an experienced attorney. I'd be hard-pressed to think there's many more out there that have more experience than you. Uh, you've been doing it again for how long, Cheryl? 30 years. 30 years. Wow. That's a long time. You don't, you don't look like you've done it a day over 29. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> anything we can do to help. And so we've been talking about immigration, what's going on, how do you get the straight scoop as opposed to being tied up in the ebbs and flows of what the media is always trying to spin and the political parties, right? I mean, we see it on both ends, like we mentioned at the beginning of this show. It's, it's nonstop in terms of, you know, using it as their weapon to get people to vote for them, which is ridiculous because we're talking about human beings and the dignity of human life. Uh, it, it, it's really abhorrent that, that we see that kind of activity and people's lives are at stake, uh, families. Um, if someone is a family and we're down to like the last minute, do they have to worry about uh, walking the streets that there's just, you know, raids going on right and left? I mean, if if they're a law abiding citizen doing what they can to support their family, should they be worried? Well, um, regardless of immigration status, our Constitution does provide um, numerous protections um, such as the protection against unlawful search and seizure, self-incrimination, discrimination. As well, um, the Department of Homeland Security still upholds its um, sensitive location policy where generally enforcement will not occur at hospitals, schools, place of worship, places of worship, for example. However, clearly everyone, regardless again of their immigration status, they need to avoid engaging in criminal activity, DUIs, domestic violence, drug activity. This is going to lead to being arrested by law enforcement, which will lead for those without status, and those some with a less than citizenship status, deportation pr proceedings. Uh, it is always important to um, check a reliable source for any information that that person may have obtained through um, family, uh, the internet, before taking action, but to just be smart about your activities. Okay, well that's great. And lucky for you, we're out of time because I was gonna have you come up with a fair immigration policy. So you can breathe easy. You've been listening to Respect Life Radio, Cheryl Martinez-Gloria from the Immigration Ministry of Catholic Charities. Thanks for coming out today. Thank you, Deacon.